Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, we praise you. God, we thank you for this day. God, I pray that we would be your hands and feet in this world, that we'd reach out to those that are hurting, those that are in need of an encouraging word. God, I pray that you would just use us, that you'd open our hearts, our minds to whatever it is you would have us do. Lord, open our hearts today to whatever it is you'd have us hear. God, we thank you for this day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. We're in this uh, series eight. We've been looking at uh, Jesus' most famous sermon he ever preached, his Sermon on the Mount. And it had uh, the really eight keys to happiness, you know, eight attitudes for, for living. In fact, they're, they're attitudes to give us uh, physical, emotional, social, financial, personal health. Uh, and la- the first week we talked about that we need to activate humility in our lives. And last week we talked about how to navigate through the pain. And today, today I want to look at one of the most misunderstood attitudes. And that's the attitude of meekness. You know, Scripture says, happier the meek for they will inherit the earth. And when I read that, I think, that sounds wrong. It sounds un-American. I mean, what do you think of when you hear the word meek? I think of, like, spineless. Someone's a, a pushover, has no convictions. You know, meek as a mouse, we, we use that. It's like the wife asks her husband, are you a man or a mouse? Squeak up. You know, I mean, what is meekness? Is it weakness? The, the truth is, meekness has nothing in, com- in common with a thing called weakness. The Greek, uh, the word meekness uh, means strength under control. It is the exact opposite of weakness. It's used uh, to talk about a wild stallion that uh, has been tamed and brought to a point that it can be ridden. The stallion still has the same power that it had when it was wild, but now it is strength or power under control. You know, it changes things, but it's strength. I mean, when you have meekness in your life, I believe it changes things in your life. I believe it provides some stability, that it's one of the keys to happiness. And the Bible says that if you have meekness, that there are some huge benefits. You know, the psalmist says the meek shall be satisfied. Later uh, in chapter 25, it says, the meek God will guide and teach. You know, Proverbs uh, 11.2 says, The meek become wise. And Isaiah, Isaiah 29 says, The meek will be filled with joy. And there is a long list. I mean, we don't have time this morning to go through them all. But those are just a few of the benefits of a thing called meekness. But it's interesting. Very few people will experience those benefits. Because when we hear meek... We think weak in our lives. And consequently, people kind of discard meekness. And 
I would argue that that's part of the reason we fail to find happiness in our life. Meek? Weak? I don't think so. See, friends, God does not want you to be weak. But God does want you to be meek in your life. And this is huge. This is a huge concept to get your mind around. You know, because becoming meek means that I'm going to let go of some stuff. I'm going to let God be in charge. You know, the essence of meekness, you might say, is surrendering. It's submitting. It's agreeing with what God wants to do in my life or in your life. And I do not know of anything that will do more for your life than meekness. You know, meekness will improve your, your physical and emotional health. I believe it will dial down the, the stress in your life, that it will help you eliminate a thing called worry, and it definitely will diffuse a thing called ag- anger in our lives. And I believe it's a key to happiness. I mean, so how do you put on meekness? I mean, I believe you've got to renovate. And if you're going to do some renovating in your life, it means that you have to make some significant changes in how you operate. And I'll just tell you up front, this is not for the weak. This will challenge you. I mean, when it comes to this attitude of meekness, some some of us, as we're asked to change things, we develop a serious attitude. I mean, first of all, you have to end the great debate. The great debate, who is in charge in your life? I mean, we think we know what's best. We think we know what's right. But part of our unhappiness, part of the stress that you have in life is this fight with God, trying to be God. I mean, we do it all the time, don't we, if, if we're honest? I know God wants me to do this. But, but, but I want to do this. And it's a debate. Every morning you get up, you make a decision. Who's going to be in charge? Who's going to be in charge in my life? That is a foundational question. You know, who's going to be in control? Who's going to call the shots? Who's going to lead? Who's it going to be? You or God? It's a great debate. And when you choose you, and we do that often... It causes problems. It causes conflict. It causes confusion in our life. It definitely causes stress and a tremendous amount of turmoil. God says, let me lead so you can relax, so you can enjoy life. Life will not be so stressful if you just let me lead. Job writes it this way. He says, obey God. And what? And be at peace with him. This is the way to happiness. Obeying the the Hebrew, it has the idea of quit quarreling, quit fighting with God. Stop quarreling with, with God. Give up the great debate. If you do, you'll find peace. You'll find peace in your life. Uh, You know, Paul, he's kind of talking about this great debate, and he kind of comes at it backhanded. uh, But I believe when he penned these words, he writes in uh, Romans 9.20, he says, Who in the world do you think you are to second-guess God? Do you for one moment suppose any of us know enough to call God into question? Ouch. That hurts. You know, Paul says, God's a potter. 
God's the potter. God's the creator. You know, and we're the clay. You know, and we're to let God manage us, to, to mold us. And if we allow God to do that, we find life's easier. We find things go better. We find that we have more peace, more happiness. But guess what? It means we've got to quit arguing with God about who's in charge. See, give up the great debate. A while back, I was uh, playing with my granddaughter. You, you know I'm crazy about my grandkids, right? I mean, and they provide me with lots of things to talk about. But uh, Isabella, uh, we were, we were kind of playing with the Play-Doh, and she said to me, she said, Grandpa, I want to make a monkey. I said, oh, what kind of monkey? She goes, a really good monkey. And so she started working on it, and she got done finally. And she goes, what do you think, Grandpa? Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I looked at it. It had a really big head, gigantic ears, and these super, super long arms, kind of like Doc Ock or something, you know. And, and so I looked at it, and I go, looks just like you, honey. She goes, oh, Grandpa. You know, she goes, what do you think? I said, I think he looks like a really, really good monkey. And she, pretty soon, she goes, look, Grandpa, he likes pancakes. And she'd made little pancakes, and she was pretending to feed him. And, and I go, I don't think monkeys like pancakes. She goes, Grandpa, I know he likes pancakes. And I'm like, well, how do you know? She said, because I made him. Friends, God made you. He made you fearfully and wonderfully. God knew what you would look like when you were born. God knew the talents that you would have. You know, God knew the parents that you would have. He knew where you would be born. You were created with great potential and purpose. But see, I believe stress comes when we don't understand how we're created. You know, God knows you better than you know yourself. Have you figured that out? God says, I made you. I'm going to help you reach your full potential. If you just let me lead, if you just let me lead, Jesus said, anyone that intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. message says it that way. I like that. I mean, here's what we do as Christians. When we become Christians, we become believers of Jesus Christ, we go, okay, Jesus, you drive. And we, and we jump in the back seat, and we become back seat drivers. Oh, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 Le- left turn, left turn. No, no, slow down, slow down, Jesus. Wait a minute, I want to do some sightseeing here now. Turn right. Could you speed up a little bit? Come on. Hey, you missed the turn. Watch out. Some of you, that sounded like this morning, heading to church, right? You know, and Jesus Jesus is sitting there going, am I the driver or not? Great debate. Great debate. You've got to figure out who's in charge in your life. God says, let me lead. My question is, are you doing that? Do you let God lead on a daily basis, or are you still trying to lead? you got to settle the great debate. Here's another one. Investigate. Investigate God's word. I do not have all the answers, 
and you do not have all the answers. But guess what? God does. God knows it all. And when we turn to God's word, when we're reading God's word, studying God's word, whether it's in a small group or like what we're doing right now, what it does, it kind of keeps us tethered to God, kind of keeps us tethered to the best way for living life. And if you're not regularly seeking God's wisdom, what you'll find is you start turning to all kinds of things in your life. You find you'll believe one thing, and you're going down that track, and then you'll hear something else, and then you change your mind, and then you're going this way, and back and forth, and we end up getting paralyzed in our lives, and then we find we hit these points of indecision that cause a tremendous amount of stress, and we find we make a lot of mistakes. And it's interesting, people start reading the Bible, and they'll start studying, and they'll read something, and I hear this all the time, they'll go, I wish I'd have heard that years ago. It would have saved me a lot of pain, a lot of pain. Several years ago, Cindy and I were uh, in Mexico, we were down in Cancun, and uh, we were walking along the the beach, and it, it was just beautiful, beautiful beach. And right there in the sand, and it was written in Spanish and English, it said, contaminated water, stay out. You know, basically the sign was saying, do not put your foot in the water, it is contaminated. I mean, why, why was that posted? You know, was it put there so it ruined my fun? You know, was it put there so that it would make my life miserable, make our trip miserable? I mean, why was it there? Well, I want to suggest it was probably there for our health. And, you know, and then I thought, well, how should I react to the sign? Because there are a lot of options when you see a sign. Like, well, that's an old sign. It's out of date. It doesn't apply to me. You know, th- that's a stupid sign. I know better than the sign. You know, I'm going to go ahead and get in the water, you know, play, have fun. You know. How about this? That sign? doesn't really mean what it says. I mean, when it says stay out, that's someone's interpretation. I think what it means is not stay out, but be careful. Be careful, you know. It's a sign. It's not a law. I mean, it's a suggestion. I mean, it's not like I'm going to die if I get in the water. I see a lot of people in the water. It can't be that bad. You get choices, right? Friends, I want to suggest God's word is full of counsel. And if you investigate it, spend some time in it, you find that God suggests some things that we should do, some things we shouldn't do. But we get a choice. We get a choice. I mean, I had a choice with the sign. You get to choose when it comes to God's word. And some people go, oh, that's out of date. That's out of date. That's wrong. I I don't like that. I don't like that. We'll just get rid of that. It doesn't really matter. But hear this. Truth is truth is truth is truth, whether you want to accept it or not. I mean, why was the sign on the beach again? Probably to keep me from getting disease. Danger. Maybe even death. I don't know. But it was there for my benefit. 
and everyone else's benefit. And God's word is full of commands and rules. Do this, don't do that. Make sure and follow this. Why does God do that? Because God's a loving God. I believe everything in the Bible is there not to make my life miserable, but it's there to protect me, to help me with, with my physical health. It's there to help me with my mental health. It's for my own good because, you know what? God knows more than you know, and God knows more than I know. God says, you know what? Here's some things that will help you in living life. Here's some things that will keep you from getting hurt. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, got home from church, and uh, it was storming outside. That's when the tornadoes and some of that hit around the area. And uh, at our house, the power was going on and off, kind of brown out. You know, it's like on, off, on, off, on, off. And we've got a TV that's got a uh, safety feature on it. And so basically, it messed the TV up. And I couldn't get it to come back on, just the light was flashing on the front. So I started searching around the house, and we, we had trouble finding the owner's manual. And then I spent some time looking at the owner's manual, trying to get some help to troubleshoot so that we could get the TV on, watch basketball. Yeah. Important stuff. Too often... The only time we investigate God's word is in a crisis. When we have an immediate need. And I want to suggest if we spent time in God's word regularly, storing it up in our heart, that what we would find is we would have the information we need when we need it in life. You know, the Bible is full of wisdom. You know, how-to information for, for living life. You know, how to, how to do things, how to follow things. God gave us the Bible, hear this, to be an authority in our life. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, oh, I don't want an authority in my life. Well, do you know what? We're all controlled by something. We all serve something in our life, or someone. I mean, you may not be controlled by God's word, but trust me, you're controlled by something. You may be controlled by popular culture. You may be controlled by the opinions of other people. You know, maybe you're controlled by your parents or your spouse. Maybe it's your own desires, your appetite, your drives, your addictions, your habits. You know, maybe it's your memory that controls you. Maybe it's your ego. But whatever it is, you choose it. You choose what controls you in, in life. God gave us his word so that we could kind of navigate through life. In fact, there's several reasons God gave us scripture. It says all scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true. Make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us what is right. It teaches us what's true teaches us what's wrong in our life, helps us correct it, teaches us what to do in life, to, to make the right moves. You know, that's why God gave us the signpost called the Bible. Investigate. Investigate God's word. You will find it's dependable. 
it doesn't change. That, that's what I love. I mean, we have fads. Fads change all the time. Opinions change all the time. Even science changes. By the time the, the textbooks are printed and given out, they're already out of date many times. I've been going through my library recently, and uh, I, I'm kind of amazed each time I do that because I've got a stack of books I'm going to toss because they're out of date. They're irrelevant. Uh, you know, computer stuff, operating systems that no longer uh, exist. It's just obsolete programs. And uh, everything in life changes, but God's word doesn't change. Truth never changes. God's laws don't change. You know, when Alan Shepard, he was the first American to be in outer space, and uh, a reporter asked him before he went up, he said, what are you depending on? Shepard, his answer, and I love this, he says that God's laws will not change. And that's a great answer. I mean, what if gravity, like, worked every other day? It would make life interesting, wouldn't it? God's laws, God's ways are unchanging. If you want to save yourself a lot of pain in life, if you really want to find happiness, friends, you've got to end the, the great debate and let God lead. You know, basically say, okay, God, you lead, I'm trusting. And you need to investigate God's word. Give it authority in, in your life. You know, make a commitment to it. I love what David in uh, Psalms 119, he says, I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. No matter what. Have you made that commitment in your life to obey God's laws, no matter what? They, trust me, if you just take that step in life, huge stress reliever. It will make a huge difference in, in your life. And then integrate, integrate God's power. Integrate God's power. Sometimes when you're reading through the Bible, I don't know about you, but for me, I'll, I'll be reading and it'll tell me something about how to live. And I'll get done reading that particular verse and to be honest, it seems difficult. Sometimes almost impossible. How many of you have ever felt like that when you're reading the Bible? Like, hmm. You know, things like, uh, don't worry about anything. That's a tough one when life really gets messed up. Or or how about, uh, don't ever grumble about anything. That's tough sometimes. And I'm reading through God's word and sometimes I'm thinking, that's just impossible. I can't love everybody. Look at them, you know. That's a two-way street, isn't it? (laughs) But true, you know, I read that and I think, I can't do that. And if you feel that way, I want to say congratulations. Because you are in a great position because you realize that you can't do that. You realize that you need something more. And I want to suggest what you need is God's power. See, God will never ask you to do anything that he is not willing to give you the power to do. God God just works that way. He will provide you with the power that you need. Ezekiel 36, 27 says, I will put my spirit inside you. God's talking here. I will put my spirit inside you and help you live by my rules and carefully obey my laws. See, the 
the secret of power in life. The secret to reducing stress, the the secret to finding happiness is not living by your willpower, but living by God's power in your life. Galatians, Paul writes, it says, anyone who tries to live by his or her own effort, independent of God, what? Doomed for failure. There's a word of encouragement. But it's so true. You're doomed. One of the reasons you and I face so much stress in life is we're trying to do life on our own. When God is willing to give you the power that you need to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with. Meekness, friends, is about two words that we tend to just be scared of. And that is submitting and surrendering. Submitting and surrendering to God. Several years ago, I had uh, surgery. I had the MCL and the ACL in my knee replaced. And um, the surgery really didn't bother me. I grew up in hospitals and, uh, you know, so that didn't really bother me. But I'll tell you what did bother me was being put to sleep. You know Why? I'm not in control. <laughs> Seriously. It, it, it just really, that part of it I didn't like. I had to give control to someone else. And if I was going to get healthy, I had to submit and surrender to some doctors who knew how to do what I could not do for myself. Some of you, if you're going to get healthy, if you're going to find happiness in your life, you're going to have to surrender to God. You're going to have to submit to God. You're going to have to allow God to integrate his power in your life. You know, one of the greatest tragedies, in my opinion, is that we don't trust God. I mean, maybe because we've been hurt or people have let us down along the way. Maybe people have made promises and broke them. And because of that, we, we are afraid. I mean, we're afraid that, you know, maybe God can't be trusted because other people. And here's what I want to say to you is maybe, maybe everyone's let you down. Maybe everyone has failed you. But God will not fail you. You can trust him with whatever it is. Any situation in your life, God will give you the power that you need if you're just willing to ask him and accept him, his power. You know, we are saved by grace. It's how we're forgiven. But friends, we also live by that same grace. It is the same grace that gives you the power to live life. Galatians, Paul says, you began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now you're trying to make it complete by your own power. He goes, that's foolish. The longer you're a Christian, I believe the more we struggle with trying to do God's will under our own power. Because I think when you're new in your faith, you go, okay, I can't do any of this. I need God. You know, let's just pretend that we're on a plane together, sitting next to each other on a plane. 
you know, maybe heading to Miami. And about halfway there, we're still in the air. I'm sitting in the seat, and I start going. After about 10 minutes, you finally go, what are you doing? Helping the pilot. You'd go, that's ridiculous. He is crazy. I knew he was. Friends, we do the same thing in our lives. I mean, we try to worry so we can help God along. You know, when life gets difficult, instead of trusting God, you know what we do? We flap a little faster. And some of us are so exhausted from flapping integrate God's power you can't do it alone you can't do it alone you need God in your life Philippians Paul says I can do all things through Christ who gives me wings (laughs) gives me strength gives me strength one more thing if you're going to renovate your life is you got to fixate on Jesus Christ. If you end the great debate and you let God lead, and if you're willing to investigate God's word and give it full reign in your life, and if you're willing to integrate God's power in your life, while you're doing all of that, you need to fixate on Jesus Christ. You know, Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Complete our faith. You know, the disciples, uh, one day they're on a boat and Jesus isn't with them. And a storm hits and they get caught in a vicious storm. They panic. Jesus comes walking on the water out to the boat. And when they first saw him, they were afraid. They they didn't realize it was him. And when they figure it out that it's Jesus, Peter, and I love Peter because he's always willing to jump in, he asks if he can come out on the water to Jesus. He wants to do what Jesus is doing. He saw him walking on the water. He thinks, that's pretty cool. I'd like to do that. And it's interesting if you read the account. It's in Matthew 14. Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water toward Jesus. I mean, he's actually walking on the water. Then he looks down and he sees the waves and he gets afraid and immediately he starts sinking. And Jesus reaches out and saves Peter. It's it's interesting because when he is fixed on Jesus... He is doing the impossible. He's walking on the water. But when he fixes on the situation, he almost drowns. And the reason why some of you are sinking today is you've got your eyes fixed on the situation, on the difficulty, on the struggle in your life. And you've taken your eyes off Jesus Christ. When I'm driving sometimes... I get distracted very easily. 
and Cindy, she'll go, Damon, keep your eyes on the road. I'll sightsee for both of us. Some of you have spiritual ADD. You tend to get your eyes off Jesus Christ. I mean, some of you start with God, and you start down that road. You start down that road to recovery. You're you're getting healthy in your life. Things are starting to come together. But you relapse into old patterns. You know, grief or guilt or shame, old habits, you know, spending, running, you know, using or whatever. Sometimes those old destructive patterns and habits, we relapse. You know why? Because we get our eyes off Jesus Christ in our lives. And we fixate on something else. Maybe we fixate on ourselves or another person or the situation, whatever it is. We've taken our eyes off God. The psalmist says, if I keep my eyes on God, I won't trip over my own feet. He says you won't get distracted. You won't get off course. You won't sink. You won't drown if you fixate on Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3, 6 God says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He is the one who will keep you on track. For centuries, um, sailors have used the Polaris principle, which basically means they would use the North Star because the North Star doesn't change. And the reason they, they would fixate there is because if they, they knew where the North Star was and they could figure out where they were so that they could navigate. You need a North Star in your life. You need to fixate on Jesus Christ. You need to zero in on God because God will help you figure out where you are. Will help you navigate. If you're going to be meek, power under control, if you're going to have that, You have got to renovate. Give up the great debate. Let God lead. Spend time in God's word. Investigate God's word. Give it full reign in your life. Integrate God's power. See, you've got to remember, you can't, but God can. And then don't fixate on the problem but fixate on Jesus Christ. Jesus said, let's read together. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, I thank you. I thank you for your guidance. I thank you for your power. God, I pray that we would put on meekness. That when we hear that, we don't think weak, but strength under your control. God, I thank you that you promised to see us through whatever it is we're going through. Help us to remember that we are going through. 
thank you for your promises. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your ways. God, whatever it is, and I know everybody's in different places today, but whatever the struggles are, I pray we just give them to you. I thank you for all things. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.